everybody. Welcome into show notes today. I'm recording on a new setup here, so hopefully I don't drive Manny Faces absolutely bonkers with a lot of the external noise here. And now you know the setup that I'm working behind. I'm sitting in the same studio setup that you can now see me on the YouTubes with. So here goes. First of all, I should tell you that 99 is out today. 99 is on a very well-deserved holiday. So everything that goes wrong, you can blame her because I'm left to my own devices for a little bit. So why is 99 on a holiday? Very quickly, I can tell you this. When we came into the holidays proper, she was doing an extraordinary amount of work in our real life jobs and cleaning up a lot of things to get us prepared for this year, as you can imagine. So give her a break. Let's give her some time. I'm very excited that she's actually, you know, taking a little bit of time for herself, but I miss her dearly. And the sad thing for you is that it's just me. So you've got to suffer through show notes. Although (laughs) one of the pieces of feedback that I got from a listener was, I find show notes exhausting and you try my patience. (laughs) I actually got a lot of shit this week and I'm excited to get to it because as usual, it's all really, really good pointed stuff. So I'm going to try to, I'm not going to deflect any of it. I'm going to own some of it. I'm going to push back on a little bit. But for the most part, really great feedback. I have to tell you, I am so thrilled with the response that you've all given me for the beginning of YouTube. It's kind of surreal to get that off the ground. I can tell you this, I am already tired of looking at myself, so I can imagine that you're experiencing the same thing, although it's even worse in the editing process. And by the way, thank you for not criticizing or commenting too much on the editing process. It is, uh, well, I'll get there, right? Or maybe or maybe I won't. Maybe I've tapped the the edge of what I'm capable of. But needless to say, we are off to a rousing start because you, you did that. There's so many of you, especially in the unfuckers at all group that just jumped on it like Knutson and Dan G and that you were all just crushing it over there, keeping tabs as we went, pushing everybody to subscribe to get us to the 1000 mark, which is the very first milestone that any creator on YouTube has to hit in order to get into the creators club where we could eventually monetize the channel. We're still way off from that goal because you have to get thousands of watch hours, but you can't get those watch hours without the subscriber. So you've already done the hard part and I cannot thank you enough for coming along. Now you know that I do indeed have fuckboy hair. 99 wasn't lying about that. It's, it's, it's what it is. It's like a helmet. No, I do not color it. For some reason, all the gray right now is appearing in my beard. And I think I mentioned in one of the comments that my dad and his grandfather both went gray like all at once in their 60s or something like that. So maybe there, if we keep at this long enough, maybe there's just this shocking point where one video is just dark hair and then I'm just all gray. I can't believe that I'm not there already having gone through the editing process. Anyway, somebody else commented on the fact that I have very strange eyebrows. I did not know that until now, but now I know. There were so many funny comments in there, so many heartwarming comments as well. I can't, I seriously, I can't thank the unfuckers enough for jumping on board and helping us get off the ground. So you can tell it's going to be a little bit different. We are making an effort to mix in some current events. So we just launched that uh, video about Buttigieg and what's going on with the airline fiasco, obviously. But most of what we're going to do is going to be a curriculum of sorts. 
So the idea behind the channel, which I mentioned before, and obviously I talked about in the introduction video, is to build on a lot of the themes and the knowledge that we've all accumulated together over the last couple of years, break them down into smaller chunks, put them into bite-sized pieces so that we can begin to build sort of a framework and a syllabus of sorts and a curriculum that helps define where we are today in historical context, of course. So breaking down neoliberalism, breaking down capitalism, breaking down socioeconomics in a way that's, you know, a little fun, but mostly just approachable. And I think the shorter form is going to serve us well in that purpose. I'm excited to keep going with it. And uh, I really thank you for indulging me and uh, thank you for your patience and for, for helping us get off the ground. It's not lost on me, by the way, that we had a huge jump in membership over the past couple of weeks after we teased uh, that we were going on YouTube and, of course, after we launched. So we'll get to that at the end of the show today. One change that is not today, but it's coming up to show notes is going to be that we are going to mix in some headlines along with show notes and probably begin with those. I feel like we miss so many opportunities to really delve into the current issues of the day and make it a little more conversational, not strictly feedback and building on some of the themes from the prior episodes, but building in some of the headlines to have more current conversations. Again, it's kind of difficult because I don't want to dip too far into punditry. That's not the point of this. And I think that's a dangerous place for us to be because you get so much wrong at your first take. And me especially, I mean, I just, I need to really sit and marinate on certain ideas and try to build them contextually into you know what's going on in the world. So we're gonna do headlines a little different way, but I think it's really important. For example, this week we would be talking about none other than my fucking congressman, George Santos, and the ongoing disaster that is this human. I, I've just, and I know we're all transfixed by this, this moment and, and can't believe that he's still there, and I don't know how this plays out. Like, I legitimately don't have a feel for how this goes. I can tell you that among, you know, citizens in my district, we're like, what the fuck is even going on right now? I mean, he's being parodied on Saturday Night Live. He's still in the headlines. He's on the front page of all the papers. Are there papers left? He's in the constantly in the news cycle. He's being hounded everywhere he goes. And he's like, nah, I'm here, man. I'm here and I'm staying. And every single thing that they catch him on, he's like, nah, nah, well, sort of, but no, not really. But I'm doing the work for my constituents, the people that voted for me. They didn't vote for you. They voted for the other guy. They voted for that other resume. Really, they just voted against the Democrats and and the Democrats blew the redistricting process as we talked about in our Santos episode when we first, you know, hopped on the news. But God, this guy is just the gift that keeps on taking. It's unbelievable. So, that's the type of headline we would be hitting. The other headline that we would probably be hitting is the debt ceiling. This debt ceiling fiasco is going to be just that. It's going to be a fiasco. And yes, all of the already tired cycle tropes are going to be what they're going to be. So if you go to conservative media, you're going to hear all about how, well, somebody's got to rein these crazy Democrats in because they've, they've run amok for decades and now they're I guess they're they're going to be responsible for tearing down the entire economy and they can look at something bad in the economy and say, well, it's because we are just too bloated and we've spent too much money. So the conservatives and the Republicans are doing the right thing. Hop on over to MSNBC and they're like, well, how come every time we hit the debt ceiling under a Republican, the Democrats are like, cool, we'll just raise it. Those are the only talking points you're really going to hear back and forth. Here's really the thing that matters. The interest on our debt as of 2022, and we'll see what it's going to shape up to be in 2023, is about 
So 5% of our whole, you know, expense picture as a country is spent on the interest on our debt. You can get that under control. Hopefully interest rates don't go too high. It doesn't get too out of control. But as a percentage of the entire economy, that is still extremely manageable, especially when you consider that we are the economy. The United States, we are the global economy. Everything stems from us. Not China, not Ukraine, not South America, the United States. We catch a cold, the rest of the world gets the flu, right? That's how it goes. We can manage our debt as it is currently configured. And we talked about modern monetary theory. We talked about the dangers of a balanced budget. A balanced budget, by definition, means that you are taking money out of the private sector in order to pay the public sector debts and robbing the private sector of badly needed capital. And that will, every time, precipitate a recession. Because every time we've had a balanced budget, that's what happens after the fact. So we'll get a lot more of those talking points down. We're probably going to do an episode on debt ceiling, recession, all that, maybe sooner than later. So those are the type of headlines that I want to kind of intermix into show notes going forward, but we're not there yet. So let's get to show notes proper and get to some of the feedback that we had. And I'm going to start with some mostly negative feedback that I've gotten over the past couple of weeks, and I think it's really important to address it. So let's start with Grant C. Grant C., Gracie's really, really bright. Grancy is a longtime listener of the show and has now sworn us off. He is no longer listening to the show, probably not even hearing show notes, and that's okay. Uh, but Grancy says, quote, it's bad enough this guy led the charge to gut Bernie's primary campaign in 2020, and quote, he's quoting me from the Buttigieg piece, talking about the airline crisis and the poor job that Mayor Pete is doing in the role as, you know, transportation secretary. Now, Grant goes on to say, you should have just stated this and saved us 15 minutes of our lives. I've seen this from supporters of every Democratic candidate since the 2020 primary. They all blame Pete for costing their candidate the nomination. I've seen the vitriol from supporters of Beto and Warren, but especially the Bernie bros. I'm sure you've been chomping at the bit to release a hit piece on him since you started the podcast and you jumped at the chance when given the opportunity. Thanks for the information you provided in the past. I feel like it's helped me better understand issues and formulate my stances. I'll be getting my information elsewhere from now on. So I've had a, a pretty healthy correspondence with Grant over the years, and he has always, always been illuminating and very thoughtful in his correspondence with us. And that's why I kind of surfaced this to the top, because, you know, I'm certainly not in the business of losing anybody. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I clarify a couple of things on Buttigieg. First off, wasn't chomping at the bit to do a hit piece on Buttigieg. He lost the election. That was enough. Was I angry at the time that he definitely led the charge to tank Bernie's campaign? Yeah. Yeah, I was. All of the Democrats, but mostly the DNC, are to blame for that. Clyburn probably takes the most blame because he took the, you know, the precious mantle of South Carolina, threw it in Biden's camp when Biden was pretty much you know, DOA in the basement, remember? And Bernie was ascendant. He was soaring. The Democratic establishment was terrified that Bernie was having such an amazing showing in the beginning of the primary season. What I didn't love about Buttigieg that was only confirmed in going back and really getting close to his history is this guy's brilliant. No joke. In my opinion, the best on the debate stage and by a mile, there's so much to like about his intellect. 
and because he cuts this sort of, you know, very level-headed, but very erudite position on a stage or in an interview, he's never frazzled, he's never caught off guard, he doesn't take people down, but he does know how to be biting and he does know how to hit them. In his early years, I mean, he's the son of a of a Marxist professor. He was a Bernie bro way before Bernie bros were a thing. Like Pete has a history, like a real history, leaning into progressive causes. Has he changed them? Because that's another one of the, the critiques that I've gotten is that Pete has stayed the same person. I don't know how you can say that because we've never been able to see him in action at the executive level or as a legislator. So there's what he says, then there's what he does in the position that he occupies. The only thing we have to judge him on now is how he performed as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, which was mediocre at best, but fine. And then how he performs in this role as the you know secretary of transportation. And he's not performing well. He still cuts a great presence on television. He's measured, he's intelligent, he and he's trying to be you know, I guess he's trying to be measured in his approach to these these massive corporations because he's trying to solve a problem. My issue here is that there had to have been a civil engineer, a mechanical engineer, an urban planning specialist, something somewhere with some experience to not only lead us through this crisis today, but in advance of what's to come. What's to come, like I've said in the video, and, and the podcast is a hundreds, hundreds of billions of dollars to be poured into transportation, logistics, and infrastructure. And a lot of that is going to be managed by his department. So if we can't hold corporate feet to account when consumers are being crushed here at these peak moments in the travel seasons, and it's not like it just happened once. Yeah, it's extreme weather. Yeah, it's all these different things. But you know, find Southwest to the eyeballs, make them give some money back, rob their coffers and give it back to the people, but also to the government. Because again, they did exactly what we wanted them not to do. Just pay dividends to shareholders. How do you not hold that company and all of the other companies that are running afoul of the consumer right now to account? So what I'm judging is his actual job performance. I'm lining it up against the fact that he is a pretty good fundraiser, does have mega donor connections, and does not want to upset the apple cart. Is that really what we need? That's not what I want as a progressive. You know, I, I definitely want his intellect, but there's other smart motherfuckers out there that can do the job, Jamie Raskin. You know, if we're talking about presidential candidates down the road, there's other great people that can do the job that are just as intelligent, Rokana, Right? You know that that I love Ayanna Presley, number of the other Congress people that are out there. There's some really smart, accomplished people that not only have legislative experience, which is Joe Biden's superpower, by the way. If nothing else, he knows how bills get passed, right? We don't know that he has any legislative accomplishments. We don't really have a great track record as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, nor how that would apply to the, you know to something larger. So all we can look at is a campaign that didn't get off the ground, him attacking the person that he said he was inspired by to get into politics in order to curry favor with an administration to get a prime job that he's failing at. 
I don't see it as a hit piece as much as I see it as a reflection. And again, the reason that I did it was, yes, partly to explain what's going on right now. And also, by the way, I think fair-handedly to say that this all started under President Carter with deregulation. A lot of people think that that was Reagan. It was not. It was Carter. So I'm not blaming him for the circumstances today, but I am definitely blaming him for not using the tools at his disposal to deal with it. And I don't trust him to be a good progressive, especially in the face of corporate money, lobbyists, and special interests. So that was my feeling on that. Again, I'm sad to lose Grant. Awesome listener, good guy, smart. Uh, but sometimes you touch a nerve and, and uh, I understand why people like Buttigieg. I really do. Uh, he's just not for me. Now, W. Jeremy D., also a great friend of the show, not leaving me, but definitely, definitely a little upset. Max, it's silly and enraging to hear you mispronounce Pete's last name the same way Tucker would. Ugh, that hurts. So a couple of times I called him Buttigieg. So in my mind, I'm doing the kind of, you know, funny jerky boys, New York kind of thing. And I don't watch Tucker enough. I will watch Tucker if it relates to something that I'm working on, but I hadn't watched anything that Tucker had said about Buttigieg and did not know that he also did Buttigieg. So now I feel stupid. So thank you for pointing that out. Anyway, W. Jeremy D. goes on to say, Pete's billionaire donors made up a small percentage of his campaign donations. That's fair. Small percentage, populace-wise maybe, but you know, in terms of the actual money raised, he raised a lot. In fact, I gave as much as any of them and I'm certainly not a billionaire. It's a shit talking point. Is it a shit talking point though? I mean, we need campaign finance reform. It is very difficult to get on the stage at that level without the largesse of, of the big moneyed class. But you know, Bernie paved the way. He showed that it can be done. So I'm just not sure that that's a shit talking point, but okay. Pete changed his policies largely untrue. His policies went up on his website through his campaign and they didn't change. That's fine. I get that. As an example, he always spoke about Medicare for all as being the goal. He just offered Medicare for all who want it as an intermediate step. Totally fair. This type of misrepresentation is very common for his detractors, both on the left and right, and it's lazy journalism. Okay, so I didn't touch on that. Didn't say that. His upbringing was extremely progressive. He certainly had all of the, you know, bona fides to say that he was a progressive as he went for his jobs. But again, a stint in McKinsey, the military, I feel like he's just been crafted the whole way. And Medicare for all who want it is a fine talking point in and of itself. And you're right. He never said, I want Medicare for all right away. That wasn't my criticism of him. My criticism was that he seems incapable of standing up to the big money donors. Anyway, Pete hamstrung Bernie in Iowa. He's a corporate sellout, somehow tricked potential Bernie voters to caucus for him. I think it's much more likely he would have worked hard in a state that liked what he said rather than being a secret assassin. Pete has no support from the black community. Yes, you are right. This was a major problem for his campaign. I offer no excuse. This would have been a huge millstone around his neck had his campaign continued. Pete is on TV too much for his position. Yeah, maybe, or it could be he's arguing for legislation that directly affects his department. It could also be he's trying to take ownership of major shortcomings within the DOT that didn't start for him. You said yourself these deregulation issues are 40 plus years old. Agreed, agreed. But you have to admit he's on the TV a lot. He's very, they're building him, right? This is deliberate. There's no waiting room 
in between the DNC and the mainstream media. It's just, it, you just you just walk right in, right? The people that they want on TV are there. He's there, yes, standing up to crises that are unfolding and has some answers about why and, you know, gets to wag his finger. But the point is, he's not doing anything with the tools at his disposal. So he understands, as we understand the history of it, but he's not doing anything to right the ship right now to the extent that it's going to, to basically to the extent that it's going to get the attention through the pocketbooks and the wallets and the, the shareholders of the corporations, because I really think that he's he's kind of depending on them in the next cycle. I mean, think about it, right? We all know it's Southwest that fucked everything up, but only Frontier was fined along with, with five other international carriers. I mean, come on. Anyway, Jeremy says, I could go on, but you get the point. You can make a genuine and thoughtful argument against Pete and myself and others would listen and judge you fairly, but you didn't and you haven't. Okay. All I heard was carefully selected bits and bad faith daggers. Okay. He said, <laughs> he ends with, how about a little faith and trust? I just, so here's my, here's my deal. I, I just don't know what he has done to build that faith and trust. Again, he's in a role that I don't think he's qualified for. I wouldn't be qualified for it either. I know very few people that would be qualified for it, but point being, there has to be somebody. And this idea that we're just, you know, that we just allow everybody else who's on the stage gets a voice. Well, really? Like Kamala Harris's VP, who was one of the least liberal prosecutors in California and not a standout senator and ran a horrible campaign, deserved to be the vice president. Pete deserved to be, you know, Department of Transportation. The one thing I'll say is that I do appreciate that Bernie has a voice in the caucus. I do think that he has had a demonstrable impact on, on shaping policy and some of the better things that have happened. And Biden did let that happen. But the whole thing is just so manufactured and corporate. And I, and I feel like as smart as he is, I don't know that we have found the lane that Pete is supposed to be in. But this one isn't it. Anyway, I appreciate the feedback. Now let's move on to some people that are talking about the media, the Who Do You Trust in Media episode. Brendan T said, in your media episode, you gave a lot of good news organizations and people. I noticed a lot of them were either a, once a host on TYT, a contributor, a part of the network, but you didn't mention them as a good news organization. They used to advertise for you. I paid for that. And I'm pretty sure, not certain, that you sampled a small amount of their content before. I absolutely have. I've listened to 95% of your episodes, but I don't really have time or the patience to listen to show notes. That's what I was talking about before. Is there something wrong with their content? Um, no. But there are so many, oh, there's so many pundits. And I feel like they have done an amazing job at reshaping the left-wing narrative and, and mainstreaming certain ideas through alternate methods. So, I mean, like when Jenk went on MSNBC, that that lasted a cup of coffee because he was like, this is, this is too corporate and I can't be who I want to be. Fuck it, I'm out of here. I have mad respect for that. I also have mad respect for what he's built. I do think that Anna Kasparian is the beating heart of the news there. I think that she has the most focused analyses. I think that she has kind of the widest perspective. But I, there's so much I admire about what they've done. I it, But it's almost like I see them as a progressive advocacy organization and less than a news organization, if that makes sense. 
I do watch them from time to time. But again, I if it's punditry, if it's pure progressive punditry, there's something about Majority Report and Sam Cedar's analysis and the the young people that he has around him that are just so, I mean, so smart. You got Matt Lecht, Emma Vigland. There's a couple of others that are that are there that get to chime in periodically when he's off and they do their their other uh, sideshows there. They're really smart. Uh, who's the guy? Binder, right? Who does Doomed? I mean, just they have a good crew over there. And Sam has been doing it for so long. And I feel like he's he just hits the issues without as much um, hmm, provocation. So TYT just grates on me after a while because there's a lot of yelling uh, and and there's a lot of, again, punditry. But I do think that they've played a massively important role in establishing what left media can be outside of the MSNBC, New York Times mainstream landscape. So, and not to mention the fact that they even put their money where their mouth is and they they contribute money to their own progressive pack. I mean, they do great work, but it's another thing that that leads me to believe that they're more advocacy and less news these days. If you feel differently, let me know. But that's, you know, that's just kind of how I've in, interpreted their position in the media landscape. David MJ, Dear Max99, Manny, and Tom, I see you lurking there in the background. Happy New Year, Gregorian, Julian, or Lunar, to you all. Since hearing about your podcast a year ago, shout out to Swage. What's up, Swage? You've become an integral part of my routine and one of my most trusted sources of analysis and information. Well, thank you. I don't always agree, and that's clear that others don't either. And I know you wouldn't expect me to. Well, you're right. But I know that you're sincere, talented, oh, intellectually honest, and most importantly, deeply compassionate and fearless in your pursuit of truth. Turning to some specific items. Congrats on the YouTube channel. Thank you. I'm very excited about your book and I can't wait to pre-order it. So am I. On the subject of podcasts, are you familiar with 5-4 Pod? Yes. Great pod. Strict Scrutiny? No. It's a crooked podcast apparently and I have to check that out. Know Your Enemy? Very much so. That's actually a really great show. And the Cafe.com suite? I do not know anything about Cafe.com podcasts. So there you go. So I put those out there. If anybody else thinks those are great pods, let me know. Now, a few less pleasant topics. I've been deeply conflicted about bringing them up. However, your willingness to ask hard questions and follow where they lead has inspired me. So you have only yourselves to blame for what follows. Okay, this is a big one. And this is something where 99 is going to be disappointed she's not in the studio to laugh and point at me like a six-year-old because she has kind of warned me about this. So here goes. Can you explain why your depiction of Lindsey Graham is not deeply homophobic? The man is thoroughly odious and eminently worth of disdain and ridicule, but not because of his supposed sexuality. Your recent discussions about the need to be aware of stigmatizing language has made for fascinating and uncomfortable listening. All right, so let's have an uncomfortable conversation. The first time I did Lindsey Graham, 99 was not happy with it. And my argument back was, we're totally lampooning everybody and it crosses that, you know, again, that comedic line of what is racist, what is homophobic and what is, what is problematic and what's just plain funny. Here was my internal justification for Lindsey Graham. I think I, among others, would like him to come out and stop being such a fucking asshole. He regularly passes legislation, tries to pass legislation, and speaks out against the rights of the LBGTQ community. But it is now well known, in fact, it was outed 
on a number of media outlets and online that he is most likely a gay man. Okay, that's great. But it's this weird fucking thing that seems to happen more in the GOP where people do not feel free to express themselves and express their sexual identity. So I wanted to portray him as a true queen. And that's probably not great. 99 would be sitting here being like, don't even say queen. What the fuck is wrong with you? But genuinely, that's, I was, I was very deliberately, you know, making him out to be that way. He has come out on the wrong side of almost every single social issue that there is. And it comes from, in my mind, this place, this old school place that hopefully we've gotten over mostly. I, I have greater faith in the younger generation to be, to at least fully express themselves as who they want to be. And we need to work on the acceptance of that and, and embrace of that, not tolerance of it, but the embrace of that to be like, yeah, be you. So I have a problem with that, you know, that closeted Republican trope that these closeted Republicans will then, because of their own hangups and wanting to be seen as not what they are, doing things that affect literally millions of other people. And uh, so is that deeply homophobic? It might be. And I really need to have uh, an, a deep think on it. And uh, I encourage everybody to give me as much feedback as possible on that. I was doing Cory Booker with a slight speech impediment. Cruz's Gollum is not offensive in any way because he's actually Gollum. Gates's butthead, I think that's pretty spot on, right? That's not that's not coming after anybody's you know personal characteristics or, or physical characteristics. But yeah, there's there's definitely when you get into satire and lampooning people, there's an edge. And if I crossed it on Lindsay, I apologize. I really do. It's it's certainly not my intention. But at the same time, it was my intention, if that makes sense. He's such a hateful, hateful motherfucker. And he's in a position of power, which to me just makes it, uh, makes him fair game. But maybe he's not. And maybe he's not in that way. I do think the vocal inflections are a lot closer, though, than, uh, than people imagine. Anyway, I'm going to have a think on that. And David MJ, thank you. I mean, really, sincerely, thank you for bringing it up, but doing it in a way where you're like, listen, man, I'm not going to cancel you. I'm not going to call you an asshole, but, you know, maybe you need to eat your words here and think about this. So I'm going to. Crin G, a boy Crin. Hey, Max, boy, are you young? <laughs> no, I'm not. But you seem entirely able to take on this challenging new venue just the same. So Crin also shared some original writing with me, by the way. Uh, and thank you, Crin. I appreciate that. So he shared some original writing, which I love. I love when people do that, whether it's art, writing, music, whatever you work on, I tend to collect them all into folders and on my spare time on uh, vacations and stuff, I, I actually, I do read them. I mean, it's how we became friends with Bobby McDee. He sent in fiction, we say he sent in his first book and uh, I, I read it on vacation and I loved it. I mean, I see a lot of Will Watkins work, hold for it. I am William Wallace. And it's extraordinary. Anyway, a lot of people have sent in works of art. So Cringe just sent in some writing and I appreciate that. So thank you. I can't wait to dig into your words and thank you for the support. John R. in Texas. Your education episodes were great. And reminded me of a podcast I listened to fairly regularly devoted to education policy. You may well have recommended it, but I don't remember. It's called Have You Heard? I did not recommend it and I haven't heard it. 
It does deep dives in educational policy. It's thoroughly enjoyable. Highly recommend it. Okay, so John R. recommends Have You Heard? If you dig what we did in education, give it a listen. Let me know what you think, everybody. More recently, I discovered the podcast Know Your Enemy and have been bringing episodes lately, binging episodes lately, excuse me. Uh, yeah, very good stuff. Very good stuff. Know Your Enemy's done a really quality job and they've grown tremendously. I think they get a lot of respect and uh, they become kind of media darlings as well, which is great to see. Maria from Puerto Rico. Dear 99, you were wondering about me recently in the mental health field. I am a clinical psychologist, a therapist, college teacher, and researcher. Very much looking forward to your unfucking mental health and the disparities in the system. Uh, and I can help in any way. Maria from Puerto Rico has been very active since she found our YouTube channel. And she mentioned uh, something, by the way, that I thought was funny in, in an email. She said, you know, she's so used to meeting people from the United States. And they when they find out that her name is Maria and from Puerto Rico, they immediately launch into West Side Story, which is exactly what I would have done if I met you in person. And I think I've probably done it on the pod. Maria, I just met a girl named Maria. Suddenly I found how wonderful the sound can be. Good stuff. Good to hear from you, Maria. Toby C., great episode on who to listen to in the media. I would suggest Drilled. Yes, Drilled is excellent. It's mostly on big oil. Gaslit Nation, love them. Very accomplished women, by the way, on Gaslit Nation. Um, and not to be fucked with. Bad Faith with Brianna Joy Green. Great. Wholeheartedly agree with you, by the way, on Greenwald and Taibbi. They used to be great, but their talking points sound suspiciously like the GRU. If you're into brief history and context, this day in esoteric political history. Cheers. Thanks, Toby C. Those are great recommendations, and I can personally attest to Gaslit Nation and Drilled are excellent, excellent pods. The Captain. Oh, Max. I just can't stay mad at you, especially when you share my loathing for that tool, Joe Buck. I almost felt bad about going off so much on Joe Buck, but I really, I fucking find him unlistenable. Ugh. Anyway, not to wallow in our hate, lots of love for Max Kellerman. That's my guy. Love Max Kellerman. You're so right. He's an excellent sports commentator in general, and few, if any, are better than him when it comes to boxing. It's true. It's true. Max Kellerman has been in and around reporting on the sweet science literally since he was a teenager. He and his brother, who sadly passed away, uh, used to do it together, actually, when they were really, really young. And then Max really kind of broke out and then became the commentator that he is. I had the chance to meet him a couple of times, actually, and he's just uh, he's a fucking awesome guy. Just a very cool guy. Good New Yorker. Anyway, a book recommendation for you and any other boxing fans, The Devil and Sonny Liston. One of my faves. I'm in. Gonna order it as soon as I finish this. Chris S. said, thank you for all the insight into trustable media. I've had to rewind more than once to catch all the reporters I should read up on. For podcasts, I listen to three that I believe are insightful, even though one seems to share the work done by another content creator, but with more flair. So for legal issues, opening arguments, and we dissent. Cool. The lawyer in the first is very knowledgeable and well-researched. The women in we dissent are phenomenal. The one that borrows material is the scathing atheist but they're oddly able to predict what's coming next in America. And the weakened misogyny segment are really informative, even though inflammatory. I appreciate your opinion on these three. If you give any of them a listen, I will download them and I will do just that. Unfuckers, if you're already plugged into those, let me know what you think. Elon Musk fucking sucks. Stubar, uh, who's a member, by the way. 
I want to say that I can't wait to see the UNFTR on YouTube. The media episode was amazing. I have a few lefty podcasts I think you should check out. First, for indigenous history, politics, and culture, check out Red Nation Podcast. New to me. That's super cool. Thank you. And then check out TIR. This is Revolution. Last and my favorite is Pod Damn America. Comedian, socialist, activist Jake Flores and Anders Lee both used to be on RT, I think. Do some deep dives into working history and are very funny. Cool. Thank you, Elon Musk fucking sucks. All right, let's get into some general feedback now before we get into coffee donations and memberships. Jeff said, pretty excited for the stuff you guys are going to be doing on YouTube. Well, Jeff, if you've seen the YouTube, I hope you still feel that way. I just wanted to write in and tell you guys I'd be more than happy to help out with anything if needed. I know you've got Manny with the super ears, but there's typically more work than time available. Boy, that's the truth. Being in radio all my life has let me develop quite a versatile set of skills. I have a particular set of skills. Cool, Jeff. Oh, Jeff. I think Jeff gave us feedback back in our FCC episodes. Jeff, is, aren't you an engineer by trade? I believe that's you, right? Let me know. Ryan S. said, thank you for the excellent series on public education. I've been sharing the podcast and resources with my local Iowa state representatives. Cool. The Democrats are currently in a battle with our governor's attempt to divert money from public schools through private school vouchers. <clears throat> God, fuck. Thank you, Ryan S. Thanks for bringing that to, to light and surfacing that. Fuck Milton Friedman. Fuck Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa. Indeed. If that's what the governor's doing, fuck that governor. Okay, now listen, I didn't get to social pulling all this clips down. What I will tell everybody is that if you are leaving us messages on social, it's it's the one thing I just, I really have a difficult time getting to. You probably even get our out of notice reply on a few of them, but I know you're there. I know you're checking it out every once in a while. Again, I still get to dip in and dip out. The one place that we are, since we're still taking a Twitter break, because dumbass just can't get out of his own fucking way. I don't care if he stepped down from the CEO role or not. It's just a very hard, very hard to support what's going on over there. So we are still, you know, hanging out on Facebook. The Facebook at all group is really such a powerful little engine and a wonderful community. I, I can't say enough about it. I'm so grateful to everybody that's over there communicating with one another. There is no way, there's no way that we hit that first milestone of subscribers on YouTube without the energy that's coming from that Facebook group. So if you are on the Facebooks, if you're an old ass motherfucker like me, and that is to you what social media still is. Go to unfuckers at all. You have to use the asterisks, by the way. Unfuckers at all. And hang out with Knutson and the gang over there. Coffee donations and memberships. Where do you get a load of this, unfuckers? I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can, but holy shit. Greg C. became a member. Shrips 44. Jaroslava D. And Sass Masters also became members. Dig this. Sassmaster said, sorry, it's taking me so long to become a member. I was sent here by my good friend, Jen S, a.k.a. Stifler's Mama. That's so awesome. Shout out to the Stiflers, to Jen, to Ryan, the whole gang over there. Everybody from Colorado. Appreciate you coming aboard. Welcome, Sassmasters. Love having you here. Marla, Don F, and Floor all became members. My guest became a member, said... You're reigniting my intellectual curiosity with your well-researched and well-reasoned episodes. I'm a bit partial to some of the earlier installments, MMT, Economics of Racism, etc., but I eagerly await your informative content every week. Thank you, Mike S., and thank you for the faith. Travis W. became a member. John J. became a member. That's not like 
John Jay, founding father, John Jay. That's John Jay, initial J. Anyway, bookstore Kim bought us five coffees. Unnecessary bookstore Kim. Why are you so fucking cool? Hmm? Answer me. Skeev is pumped for the YouTube channel and also bought three coffees just to say pumped for the YouTube channel. Why are you so fucking cool? Maria from Puerto Rico bought us a bunch of coffees as well. After she wrote in that initial one, she wrote in again because she saw the YouTube channel and she's like, holy shit, Max, you're actually real. Welcome. Here's some coffee because everybody knows I like coffee. And so that's show notes for this week, everybody. What's coming up? I'm kind of perplexed. I have to I have to be honest. I have this massive piece in the works on Jimmy Carter. But as you might imagine, I keep getting a little distracted. I don't know if old Jimmy's going to be ready for primetime yet. Because I have this other piece that's kind of burning out of my fingers right now. So if I was a betting person, which I'm not, but if I was, I'm going to bet that it's going to be that. It's going to be that other piece that's burning out of my fingers right now. Probably a little shorter, tighter, but on point, And actually might be, might make my guess happier. Keep it in the economic lane. And then finally get to the the Jimmy piece. What do we have coming up on YouTube? We're, we're doing some level setting. So we've got a capitalism episode coming up, another neoliberalism episode, actually two capitalism episodes, neoliberalism, some foundational things, nothing that you haven't already heard on fuckers. But what I would love is some feedback. Do you like the format? Do you think this is going to be helpful? It's very hard to tell from the early ones. Although the Buttigieg one, I think turned out okay. I think that was okay. And that was interesting because it was like, it was timely, it was topical, it was fresh. It was like, it was, I was on the struggle bus to get it out, but I, I think it came out okay. The other ones are truly that curriculum building, level setting type of format. I'm really curious to hear what you think about. I think the first one's a little light, if I'm being honest. I think that as they go, they get a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, but hopefully... What you start to see is that as playlists develop, that they gr- they're growing and they're building on one another. And then we can start to get it because, it, you know, it's so hard to be like, I think about all the stages that we went through in the economics of racism episode as an example, since my guest brought it up, right? How do you tell the story of the black experience in America's economy today without talking about the issuance of credit and the denial of credit in the 50s and 60s? How do you talk about it without talking about redlining and the homeowners ownership associations about Stytown in New York City, keeping black families out, even though it was for low income, excluding black veterans returning from the war from buying the Levitt houses from Tulsa, the massacre, from all of the banks that failed over the years because of withdrawn white investments. I mean, how do you tell that story without going all the way back? So what I'm trying to do with the channel is go all the way back to the beginning and organize things in a more logical way so that over time, over the next few years, when you put it all together, it's like, ah, huh, huh, fuck you, Prager, you. Just listen to this guy. This guy's got some answers here, right? That's what the hope is, at least. I have to tell you, it's actually hard to find the words to express to you all how deeply moved I was in the first couple of days watching all of these familiar names jump over and be like, holy shit, we're over here now. I mean, this community is really special. And I know we're small. You know, I don't have any illusions about the size of our show compared to a lot of the big, bigger outlets and the ones that are more established. But I don't know, to see you all connecting now in a new place, even if you're making fun of me, which I think is hysterical, really got to check the eyebrow thing. 
just just even that has been so fulfilling and so heartwarming. It's it's weird. It's it's weird. So I just want to say thank you it, from the bottom of my heart. The membership increase, believe it or not, is huge for us because this is taking a lot of time. It's definitely taking some time away from our core endeavors. And it's going to be a balancing act over the next couple of years. Can we get this to a point where this is who we are? This is what we do to be determined. It's unknown. But you're helping us defray some some significant costs right now, even with the, the smallest memberships that we have. It, it adds up. It makes a really big difference to us. And I don't take any of it for granted. So whether you're purchasing the native roast, roasted coffee, you're just tipping us with cups of coffee, you're taking out full memberships, or you're just you know, giving us your eyeballs over on YouTube and helping us build this thing out so that we can eventually get monetized. Damn, you're doing the Lord's work. So thank you, unfuckers. Subfuckers, don't forget, a couple more weeks, we're going to be transitioning over to the website. It's going to be totally natural. If you've signed up on Substack, you know, continue to do so, by the way, because it's how we're going to notify everybody that uh, everything's transitioned. Uh, but you're going to be able to go to unftr.com to get absolutely everything that you need. So unfuckers, subfuckers, eurofuckers, uncanuckers, down underfuckers, kiwi fuckers, all the fuckers. Thanks for being here. And thank you for the show of support. Here endeth show notes? I don't know. Is that getting a little pretentious? See you soon. Love you, 99. Thank you. Love you, Manny. Yeah.